Hey everybody, Dr. Sunshine here. Uh, I know I normally begin podcast episodes with a a clip from the episode, but I wanted to do something a little different today. Uh, I had three things that I wanted to inform you about or say to you all before we jump into today's today's really exceptionally compelling podcast episode. So thing number one is thank you so much. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for listening on Apple and on Spotify and Google. Um, I appreciate you all so very much. And the podcast is getting some good feedback. Please remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Uh, Obviously, if you have any comments, things you want to hear me uh, discuss more, guests you'd like me to have on, please let me know and I'll do my best to accommodate all of those. But thank you so much for your involvement, both in the podcast and in the Facebook communities. I really appreciate it. Number two, keep your eyes open this week. We will be launching a new Facebook community, which will be called Leadership Skills for Survivors. And it will be focused primarily on the soft skills of leadership. It'll be a lot of the skills you see already about growth, um, things like um, growth versus fixed mindset, things like um, vulnerability, and courage, uh, and how those things apply in a leadership capacity. I will be um, working from the research in this area, from my education and experiences in my years as a military officer and as a fitness staff manager. Um, And I will be talking to other leaders in the field and having them on the podcast as well. Uh, I think the podcast will probably sound very similar because most people who evolve into exceptionally good leaders, have overcome some battles in their life to get there. So we'll be talking to those leaders, hearing their stories and learning what they have to teach us. Third, I wanted to let you all know to to hang in on this podcast episode for a moment after we finish. Um, Typically we wrap up and I say, um, thanks everybody for listening and keep growing till you're thriving. And then the music hits and we're done. what, do, what you don't see is that behind the scenes, um, I usually hang on the line a minute with my guest and chat with them a little bit, thank them for coming on. And most of my guests are people I know. So we have a little bit of chit chat before we get off the line together. In this episode, I talked to my friend Noble Gibbons, who uh, runs a business called the EQ Gangster, uh, w- which is involved with all things emotional intelligence for entrepreneurs. He's got a wonderful website, eqgangster.com, and hosts a podcast by the same name, EQ Gangster, so go check him out. Um, But we have a a little silence after we finish the podcast, and then we're chit-chatting a bit, and it turned into an unexpectedly emotional interaction, and it was really a, a lovely and touching interaction with a good friend. And so he and I decided together to leave that in for all of you to see and to hear and to comment. So um, please stay uh, stay tuned to the podcast, even when there's a, a moment or so of dead air at the end and listen on through because I'm going to let it run and then we'll, we'll end it after that. Please, again, be sure to subscribe, to like, to share, and by all means, send me comments. Let me know what you think. Thank you so much, everybody. Keep growing to your thriving. Here's our next episode with my friend Noble Gibbons, the EQ Gangster.
and welcome to the Growth and Thriving podcast, where we celebrate those who have overcome great adversity and examine the tools and techniques by which we grow and create lives for ourselves that feel like thriving. I'm Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak, your host, and today I can't even tell you how excited I am to have this guy on. And, and for those of you um, watching or listening, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you for, for your time and for, uh, you know, investing some time and energy into this. Um, I appreciate you very much. If you've listened to my previous podcasts or watched them, you know that at this point, I typically give a quick intro and turn it over to the other person to say, hey, you know, tell us where you come from. And this time I'm going to brag on this guy for a minute before we start, right? So this, this is my friend, Noble Gibbons, and he is the EQ gangster. He what, Big Jerry? <laughs> the EQ gangster. And, and this guy, I got to tell you, if you don't know who this guy is, you need to find out, right? Um, he and I met on the jujitsu mats. Many great friendships are started there. He is a killer blue belt. He, don't let the belt fool you. He is no joke on the mats. But this guy has such an impressive history. He is a West Point graduate, former Army Ranger, um, great success in business outside the military. But the thing that gets me is when you hear about EQ gangster, right? Emotional intelligence and gangster doesn't seem like it should go together, but this dude is a gangster. I'm telling you, he's got no formal training in this area. He got interested in it a few years ago based on his own experiences, which he'll tell you about. And this guy is more legit than probably 75% of the PhD psychologists I know. He knows his stuff, right? Uh, there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of academic knowledge. And, and I consider myself as somebody with a PhD in psychology. I put myself in that realm, but they don't have the skill set. They don't know how to do it. If you've ever uh, seen the movie Patch Adams about Dr. Hunter Adams and his life with Robin Williams, when he's sitting in the inpatient psych, psych ward and he's talking to the psychologist, or I guess I think he's talking to a psychiatrist, and he's telling him he wants to help people and talk to people. And the psychiatrist says, well, that's my job. Patch Adams says, yeah, but you suck at it. Like there's a lot of people with a lot of education who can't hold a candle to the EQ gangster, to my friend, Noble Gilbins. So Noble, thank you so much for carving out some time and, and being here. It means a lot to me. And I'm so thrilled to have you here. Jerry, thanks a million, bro. It's so great to see you, man. <laughs> man, I totally appreciate all those kind words. Wow, that's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I totally appreciate that. So, and it's been such a blessing, man, to to get to know you, and you know, getting uh, getting getting folded up in my laundry by you on the mats has been great. Speaking of of EQ, it's You've been a great tool to grow my emotional intelligence. <laughs> yeah. me out, so. Just chipping away, just chipping away at that ego six minutes at a time. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right. So, um, yeah, thank you. You know, totally appreciate that. And it's been, again, a blessing to connect with you and just so excited about your all your endeavors that you're doing and, and kind of the, you know, kind of some new chapters that you're, that you're pursuing and embarking on uh, those, those transition points. I think I've done a few episodes in, in my podcast on, you know, the power of transition points and, 
you know, how, how well do we do at transition points and that kind of thing. I think those can be defining moments, positive or negative, if we have, you know, a, a, depending on the perspective that we, that we have. And so, yeah, the, my journey into emotional intelligence has, has been really unique. And, and like you pointed out, very different than, than maybe other people. For me, I grew up in a, in a home, love my parents. My dad passed away about 10, 11 years ago. He was an emergency room doctor for 30 some years. My mom is a little four foot 10 Hispanic lady who taught Spanish at Oklahoma university. She met my dad, their dad was going to med school and got his pharmacy degree. And then, you know, they got married and, and uh, from Oklahoma moved to Illinois. So I kind of grew up in Illinois and in, in my house, we, so again, so this is not a, to knock on or bust on my parents, but there's no perfect parents. We all have stuff to work on. One of the areas that they just did not know anything about was emotions and feelings and emotional intelligence, emotional health. You know, you know, our generation, our generation's parents, feelings and emotions was not a, just was not a thing. It, it seems like anyway, in my anecdotal, you know, little research on, on, on my own perspective here. <clears throat> and so in my house, when we would get into conflict, this is from the time I was the earliest I can remember, you know, we would kind of yell and scream at each other, you know, if you'd been around many Hispanic ladies, but can be very strong ladies. And so my dad was super chill, very laid back. For those that study personalities, he was a phlegmatic melancholy or a steady conscientious if you're the disc model, depending on your models. And so very chill, very calm guy. And my mom was more uh, sanguine, melancholy, or influencer, conscientious, an IC. And so, which is kind of an interesting mix by itself. Anyway, so just the, the way we handled conflict was, again, we'd yell and scream at each other, and then we would stomp off into our respective corners of the house and come back and act like nothing happened. And there was no conflict resolution. So I learned from, from the time I can remember that the way you handle emotions and feelings is by not handling emotions and feelings that, that number one, I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on inside man, feel all this intensity going on, but didn't know how to, I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know what was going on inside of me. I didn't know, I, I no no concept of, again, of feelings and emotions. And so I learned very early on how to do, and you know, one of the things that I talk about in my, I've got a free course on, on our website, eqgangster.com, where I talk about the four deadly sins of emotions uh, stuffing, avoiding, stewing, and brooding. And then you brought up a great nuance <clears throat> that I'm still unpacking and chewing on The stuffing and avoiding can lead to stewing and brooding, which I thought was a great, great nuance that I, I again, I really want to continue to, to, to chew on and do a deep dive on. And so that's what I learned my whole childhood. And, and for all of us, right, we all learn our emotional foundation in our childhoods. You can't not learn your emotional foundation from, from our childhoods, good, bad, or indifferent. And, and that led to, you know, going in, you know, going into, to West Point where obviously we're not talking about feelings and emotions at West Point. Well, the army is the gold standard for resolution, right? Conflict. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Gold this standard for emotional maturity. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh man. You, you clearly are working with different army people than I did. <laughs> <laughs> you were a ranger <laughs> <laughs> because in the infantry in the 82nd airborne division as an infantry officer 
I would not, I would not make the claim that emotional intelligence ran rampant in the organization. Conflict resolution looks like this side toward enemy. (laughs) That's exactly right. The old Claymore. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. Do it because I said so. (laughs) That was the extent of, of the leadership. Obviously there are some good leaders, but uh, definitely emotional. Into- I mean, still, still, it's an area. In fact, I'm, I'm, I've done a, a ha- in fact, I'm, I'm, I've done a handful of presentations to the army, different army units about emotional intelligence, and I'm actually doing one uh, tomorrow. Actually, later tonight, I'm doing a, an intro for the main brief, an hour long brief to a whole brigade, army brigade in Korea about emotional intelligence and the importance of emotional intelligence. And then also I'm going to be going into a little bit about personality and then also about this book called the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni. I got certified recently in his course called the five behaviors of a cohesive team. And so I'm going to introduce that, but both of those personality and the five behaviors of a cohesive team are tremendously and directly impacted by one's emotional intelligence and something I've been telling a lot of a lot of leadership people is like, well, but you know, Noble, I've got some great leadership philosophies and principles and models. And I'm like, dude, you could have the greatest leadership models on the planet. You could be Tony Robbins or, or John Maxwell or whatever the great leaders are out there. But if you're working with raw material that has very low emotional intelligence, their ability to apply those principles and those models is going to be severely limited. And I am I am the poster child for that example. I went to West Point. I went to Ranger School. I, I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. I did, I've done a lot of, you know, some pretty high-speed stuff, but I've been emotionally clueless that whole time. So kind of getting back on track in the 82nd, you know, as, a, as an infantry officer, I was obviously not talking about feelings and emotions there. Then I got into, into business, in the business world. And, you know, ironically, it's kind of a funny story, but funny, not funny story, but, you know, got in, involved in this network marketing business and, you know, replaced my wife's income at 27, you know, replaced my income at 30. So financially independent at 30 years old, making a strong six figure income and was able to leave the job world and just kind of focus on business. Well, ironically, what happened was uh, I, there's, this is a whole nother story that maybe we'll get into, maybe not. I went into a deep, 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 uh, depression and suicide, like suicidal for two years straight. And then another decade after that of, of depression. And, th- you know, there's a, a lot to unpack there. And anyway, so, so boom, went through all that whole season of my life while still trying to run a business. And then two things happened that kind of culminated into the straw that broke the camel's back. One is in our business team, now, since then, I we have been a part of you know ten different startup businesses throughout that that journey, but in what my network marketing business, where we had you know made made a strong strong six figure income for a while, a number of years, and we did I, ironically, and I'm saying ironically, once I finish the story, you'll hear why it's ironic. But I, we did very well in this environment, and spoke all over the world to thousands of people, ten thousand people, like all just you know, all over the place, Australia, everywhere. And in this business, uh, we had a, on our business team, we had this hardcore narcissist. 
And I had never been exposed to a narcissist before. I didn't even know what that was. I, I thought it was when you hire your relatives, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? They both start with N, right? <laughs> right. Nepotism, but I thought, hey, it's the same. You know, I didn't know any different, right? And so for those that are not familiar with, with narcissism, narcissism, and this is not the ninja PhD definition here. So Jerry will give you a much different definition, but for me, it's, it's an, it's an egomaniac. It's somebody who uses control and manipulation, toxic leadership to manipulate other people. And people are like their tools. They see them as their tools and they're kind of their minions yeah. uh, to do their, to do their, their means, whatever their means or their objectives are in their life. And I had never been that up close and personal to a narcissist before, but man, it was not fun experience. And they were hurting all these people around me. And something I didn't tell you is I'm a people pleaser. I'm a recovering people pleaser addict. And so as a people pleaser addict, I was, I was, I was almost really now looking back, man, I never made this connection before until now. This is the first I've done, dude, I've done probably almost 50 to hundred podcast interviews and I've never made this connection until right now. I to initially, initially, when I started getting reports from all these people around me that, hey, this guy is, man, this guy, like noble, like this guy is really being a rear end and all these different experiences. And I'm like, honestly, what I was probably doing to that first group, that first wave of people that started telling me all these stories about this guy, I was probably gaslighting them, not even knowing what gaslighting was. I, but I was, I was, you know, oh, oh no, you know, he, he's just a type A personality. He's just, you yeah. know, he's just really strong leader. Yeah. And, yeah. What's that? The enabler. hundred percent, hundred percent. I was one of his enablers. Again, not even realizing I was doing that, uh, that I was playing that role. Uh, but because, you know, because I had no EQ, I had, I had low number one, I was a people pleaser addict and I had no self-awareness. And so, so anyway, so that was going on. And then unrelated to that, I also yelled at my wife three times in three weeks and she said three things. Number one, don't ever do that again. <laughs> number two, you've never done this before, which means number three, you've got more issues than Sports Illustrated. Something and so, and so, right. And so, so, so thankfully she had good boundaries, which I didn't know anything about at the time. And so we went to counseling and our counselor introduced me to two revolutionary new concepts called feelings and emotions. <laughs> and so I'm like, Doc, what in the world? I'm like, is this like Harry Potter sorcery voodoo stuff? Like, yeah. what are you talking about, man? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, bro, like, you know, you need to, you need to start down this path and this journey. Mm -hmm. And so two years down this very intentional emotional growth journey, all these different areas of my life started to change. Like literally like Right. And tangible, not warm, fuzzy, singing kumbaya, you know, uh, 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 bathing in essential oils and, and, you know, skittle farts, like tangible changes. Like my faith started to change. My marriage was changing. My parenting was changing. Our finances were changing. I was no longer self-sabotaging myself. I no longer uh, uh, suffered with an extreme bout of, of imposter syndrome, my depression, suicide stuff, all that stuff started to to, to, you know, I was getting triggered way less. I was getting emotionally hijacked way less. And when I did get triggered, I would only go to like a four or five instead of a 10 to straight Hulk mode. And so, and so what, so, and then I said at that point, I'm like, babe, like 
I think I want to do a podcast on just sharing my lessons learned. I said, I, cause I can't be the only emotionally clueless guy out there, right? There's gotta be other nobles out there that have no concept of feelings and emotions like me. And if nothing else, I'll be able to capture my lessons learned and just review them for myself. Even if nobody listens to podcasts, well, unbeknownst to me, obviously, and everyone else that when we started our podcast, it was literally the same month that COVID came out. Mm-hmm. So never would I have the podcast, huh? <laughs> right? yeah, never would I have predicted, right, that <laughs> emotional health would, would, would be yeah. more important or more talked about than ever in the history of, right. you know, of mankind. So, um, so anyway, the, the quick, let me now, now let me kind of put a bow on it. So what happened was, when I started out as a kid, stuffing and avoiding all my emotions, it was like, it was like the cute, furry, fuzzy little monkey stuffing and avoiding my emotions and feelings. But what, what I didn't know was going on is every single emotional injury, which we all have, that we all experience as children, it begins to, I, I, I didn't know what was happening, but I was by all those emotional injuries that I was stuffing and avoiding in the, that I was putting in the basement. I was feeding the cute, furry, fuzzy little monkey. Well, when you do that year after year, decade after decade, that cute, furry, fuzzy little monkey that has been eating all my emotional injuries for decades now, now what happened again four, five, four, four years ago, looks like it me. turned into an eight, 800 pound gorilla, <laughs> right? That I couldn't, I couldn't control anymore. I lost, I lost control, emotional control of, of this, of all these injuries and finally, like I, I, again, I lost, I lost control. And so, and that's when I lashed out at my wife and yelled at her three times and almost yelled at my daughter in a, in a very, uh, you know, very, yeah, intense, emotionally charged situation that I literally had to leave the room because she, she was a 10 10 at the time. I think she had gone to a, an emotional 10. She had gotten emotionally triggered and lost it and her getting triggered immediately triggered me to attend and I almost yelled and screamed at her and it I mean it scared me like I was shaking I was shaking so I had to I had to walk out of the room and that that experience of me almost losing it on my 10 year old daughter scared the crap out of me and so you know also part of the thing like man I need help like I don't know what's going on I need help and so that started the whole this whole journey to emotional intelligence and the irony in that situation you know i know there's a lot of people who are like oh you should yell at your kids it'll toughen them up and all this kind of thing and and the fact of the matter is that there may be times to be firm or stern with your kids i'm not suggesting i mean they need discipline absolute fact right however when you talk about her like her being at an emotional 10 right just her own experience of being heightened like that is probably frightening for her. She's probably afraid of just what she's feeling. And so, you know, I like to look at parenting the way I look at parenting always. And this is partially informed by some of my education and research and such, but also just by experience and is I parent best, and I don't always do this well, but I try. I parent best when I'm looking at my kids in any difficult situation and asking myself, what do they need and how can I provide it? Right. And, and so, cause like when I lose my shit and yell and scream, it's cause I'm angry. It's not cause I'm trying to do what they need. Right. <laughs> and so when I can shift the focus and say, what do they need? 
And when a kid is heightened like that and they're afraid of what they're feeling, what they probably need most is a parental sense of calm. Like, hey, I've got this under control. Yes, this is a difficult situation or yes, you did something wrong and there's consequences and we need to deal with that, but we can deal with it calmly, right? And that provides a sense of security for them. So I think you're right on the money is like, yes, the fact that you're about to scream at a 10 year old who's probably already afraid, right? Of what's going on inside of her is a, is a sign of, of things spiraling, you know, out of right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, this is all pre self-awareness, but if I, if, if somebody else's emotions cause my emotions to, to elevate at, at an extreme level like that, without me even knowing it, that is not a good sign. No, that's a, that's a red flag, big time. You're giving that a lot of power. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so I I want to, and this is something, again, not to wear out jujitsu, but to to use a jujitsu analogy, something I tell the white belts, and I have to tell a lot of white belts this, especially kind of when they roll with me, because pressure, the pressure game, you know, you again, using jujitsu is, is a whole different type of game that, you know, many people don't play. And it elicits what I've noticed a very different response than say a choke or an arm bar or a leg lock. It, it, it adds a whole nother level of emotion that the other submission routes don't, don't create. And I tell a lot of white belts, like, look, man, you, you've got to stay calm. I, I know I'm a big guy. I know this feels very uncomfortable but you got to just check in with yourself. Like, let's all stop right now. Let's stop, catch your breath, get your breathing back on track. Let's slow everything down. Right. Because, because the worst thing is when I see, right. And, and I, I used to do this when I was kind of a white belt too. If, if I would get an aggressive white belt, obviously I would match their aggression. Yeah, right, right. Well, it, it spirals very quickly. <laughs> downhill. Right. Turns into Godzilla versus Mothra, just stomping over Japan. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's exactly right. Right. So, you know, so, so for me, when someone gets emotionally charged with me in a role, my rule number one, I, you could ask my daughter, I tell her all the time, what's rule number one, stay calm. Because as long as you can stay calm, you can think more clearly physiologically. You can, you've got more courses of action you can do. But I tell those white belts, look, man, as soon as you start to go into spasm mode, right, but white belt spasm mode, you you go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. You you only your brain goes to three different options rather than the whole, you know, hundred or thousand different options you could do. You're only going to three options, and those those three options may not be your best route given given the our, our role right now. So staying calm is such a powerful, powerful thing. And, and but again even if you have the self-awareness that, oh yeah, I'm aware that I'm freaking out. If you don't have the self-management yeah. to be able to manage those emotions, you're just going to be aware that you're freaking out, but you won't be able to manage that emotional intensity. So I'll, I'll PhD nerd out on you a little bit here. So please, I love it. So the most recent sort of research and science says there are five responses, not three. It was three for a while. And recently they've added two. But it, I would argue it doesn't matter because, 
because all five of those responses come from the same place. And the same place is, you know, one of the purposes of training in any sort of combat. So whether that's martial arts training, whether it's Muay Thai or whether it's Taekwondo or whether it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or Sambo or Roman Greco wrestling, or whether it's Green Berets running training operations down at Fort Carson. Um, part of the purpose of that is to manage the sympathetic nervous system, right? And the sympathetic nervous system. So if you go back to like eighth grade biology or whatever, right, you have sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic nervous system is the survival mechanism. It's the heart rate up, blood pressure up, breathing rapid, you know, adrenaline flowing, right? And and it, it gives you some benefits, right? It gives you some benefits. The sympathetic nervous system, for example, your body starts pumping out endorphins right away. Well, why? Because if you happen to get injured, you won't really feel it with endorphins in your system. And so you can continue to either fight or run, right? And you can survive. Um, if your, your sympathetic nervous system will start to produce blood coagulants, just in case, in case you get shot or ripped open or something, it'd be better if you clot quickly, right? Um, this is also part of the reason, by the way, why people have stress-induced heart attacks and stress-induced aneurysms is because of the blood coagulants in their system, if they're not being actually cut open, they don't need them and they end up with blood clots. But, um, and so the issue of training, the reason why we train is so that we can be in those very uncomfortable and difficult and maybe even life-threatening circumstances and manage that sympathetic nervous system enough because the downside of the sympathetic nervous system, right, is as human beings, we have this big front part of our brain up here that does a lot of like thinking and management and calculating and decision-making, right? Uh, when you talk about EQ, uh, a lot of the like, the awareness piece is, is less up here. Like the awareness piece is just noticing what's going on in more primal areas of the brain. But the management piece, self-management is mostly up here, right? How do we regulate how we're feeling and manage? And when we're in that survival sympathetic, whether it's three responses or five responses or 500 responses, this thinking portion is, it's really good at coming up with great ideas, right? all of humankind's progress is because of this part of the brain, but it's slow. And so we, it tends to go offline when we're in a survival mode. And part of the idea of training is being able to keep it online so that we can evaluate options or make better decisions or, you know, I mean, the ideal is to have good muscle memory of things so that you don't have to think too much, right? Like there's certain things in jujitsu, for example, that come to you without thinking anymore. And that's great. But if you find yourself in an unfamiliar position, you want to have this still online. And, and when you get carried away like that and you get heightened like that, think about when you were a kid and everybody was screaming at each other, right? The ability to sit down and do multiplication goes away you know? And so, you know, so I think you're, you're right on the money about like the, the metaphor is right, right? Like if I'm panicked and making decisions based on panic, then my options become very limited.
Right, right. Love that. That was great. Thank you for, I was taking notes. So for anybody that's watching on, on YouTube, on Jerry's channel there, I, when he talks, man, I like taking notes. <laughs> He's got you know, so great skinny. The, the other thing I wanted, there were two other things I wanted to share with you. I don't want to, I want to keep this on you, but you just, you, every time I talk to you, you spark things for me and I want to share them with you because we get this cool discourse. So I have this, you know, when you talk about like your childhood and then like the times when you were in the uh, network marketing business and you would lose your temper and you talk about feelings and emotions. And, um, and I've heard you tell this story before in full disclosure. I've, I, I heard you on um, the mentor podcast and I, and I listen to your podcast when I'm in the gym. So I've, I've heard it on there. Um, I always, to me, I put emotions, like I think emotions are vitally important, right? There's a reason why we still have them why we haven't sort of shed them as we've evolved over time. But um, I put them in the same category as I put fire and money, right? Emotions, fire, and money all make wonderful servants and terrible masters. You know, if you're managing them and you're understanding them and you, you know, look at your finances and you manage it, if you are building a fire and you want to cook food over a grill or over a fire or something, if you're managing it, it's a wonderful servant. The minute it gets out of control, the minute that fire starts to spread or your finances, you get into debt and you get, and it, it becomes the master over you, terrible master, but a wonderful servant. And I think emotions are like that too. You know, Excellent. You learn to manage them. You're, they're, they're super helpful. That's right. But, but when they're driving, you got problems. Yes. 100%. That's excellent. And, and, and for, for those, and again, you, you know, you, your listeners may all know what emotional intelligence is, but how I define it is um, being able to, you know, acknowledge, identify, process, and manage our own emotions and the emotions of others. So there's a self component and then there's an others component. And, and the, the industry standard, you know, the, the OG Daniel Goleman, right? You know, all this stuff better than I do kind of coined the, the four main categories, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, social management. And, and now there are obviously a lot of different models and stuff out there for emotional intelligence. That's kind of one of the, 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 the original ones. And, uh, and, and, and what happened, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, to your point there, excuse me, I feel like, so there's, there's a generational gap of, of EQ, like there's a scale. So, you know, our generation and again, this is just my own little anecdotal. So this is not based on your research. This is just based on my own little observation that our generation is not aware and has never been aware of feelings and emotions. Right. There are exceptions, obviously, sure. but as a whole, the younger generation, so, so the, the kids nowadays, Gen Z, Gen, Gen Y, some of the millennials are more aware of their emotions than previous generations, but they don't have the emotional management tools, the coping mechanisms to express or manage those emotions in a healthy, productive way, which is why I feel like there is so much craziness going on in the world today. And, and so I, I feel like that's a, you know, the, the, if we were to rate the emotional intelligence of our nation, I don't feel like we would rate very high as a nation just because of, of just so much of the stuff that's going on nowadays. And so one of the things that I, I, you know, one of my goals is to help people become healthier emotionally, not to be 
controlled by our emotions, just like you pointed out, the goal is not, again, to become warm, fuzzy, kumbaya. That's not the, the goal of emotional intelligence. It's so that it's, it's a dashboard. We all have a dashboard for our cars or automobiles. Emotions are a dashboard for our lives. But none of us know how to read our, our dashboard of our emotions, the spreadsheet, the balance sheet, the balance statement of our emotions or PL for business people, you know, profit and loss statements, right? We, we don't know how to read that stuff. We've never been trained on how to read the data of emotions, but it's just data. It's just, they're not good or bad. It's just data. Right. But again, most people have not been trained on how to read their spreadsheets, their dashboard to make better and more effective decisions personally and professionally. Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue when you talk about like, oh, it doesn't have to be all touchy feely. It's, it's sort of funny, I guess. I, I don't like that, that adjective. I'm looking for a better word, but it's strange to me how we got to a point where any talk of anything emotional has to be very kind of kumbaya and touchy-feely and feminine and all these kinds of, not that there's anything wrong with femininity, by the way, but, but it has to be very unmasculine, untough, un, right? And yet, if you look at and, and really look at, like really dig in to, for example, some of the most profound warrior cultures throughout history. Look at the samurai, right? Look at the Stoics, right? The Romans. Um, Stoicism, we, mis we misuse that word nowadays. Stoicism was not about just ignoring your emotions. Stoicism was about evaluating them and recognizing what things you could control or interact or change and what things you just needed to accept. But it wasn't about stuffing and ignoring, right? Stuffing and avoiding are your two of your four, right? It wasn't about stuffing and avoiding. It was about acknowledging and then making decent choices about like, well, okay, this thing I can change a little so it's worth my effort. This thing is outside my ability to change so I just don't even get upset about it, right? The samurai would meditate for hours and hours, right? And it wasn't about ignoring what they felt. It was about using feelings and emotions and insights and things. And so, you know, emotional intelligence of some sort or another was, was and I'm sure that you could find this, I mean, I'm less educated about, but I'm sure you could find this with the Maori warriors or with the Spartans or with the, any of the you know, ex like exceptional warrior cultures throughout our history. I'm sure that the greatest warriors had this balance, you know, between, because the worst thing you could do as a warrior, whether you're in the U.S. Army or whether you're a samurai, is let something like anger take over. Or let something like fear take over, right? And so I think that emotional intelligence and management has probably been a part of most really successful warrior cultures and is not all touchy-feely. Love that. That's excellent. That's excellent. That'd be a great, that'd be a fun research project for me to do is to study some of those warrior cultures and see, because that's, and that point that you made that kind of one of the last points that you made is such an excellent point as, as 
a highly skilled, highly trained warrior. And right. you could even fast forward to today, the SEALs or, you know, the CAG, Delta Force, whatever, as special operations guys, the worst thing they can do is to allow anger or fear to, 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 uh, cloud their judgment. No, right. Uh, and also, it wouldn't be good for them to ignore anger right. or fear either. To just oh, right. this doesn't exist. Well, no, you need right. to acknowledge that so so that it, so that it doesn't impact your decision yeah. making. Yeah, right. You want so, to guarantee it clouds your judgment. Try ignoring it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. That's exact that, that, and that's again how I got the eight hundred pound gorilla. Well, and and even just like on a less drastic sort of example right we go back to the jujitsu mats right we we spend an hour and a half in there at a time or two hours at a time literally learning to physically fight and we spend most of our time telling people to manage their emotional reactions calm down stay calm stay calm that's most of what we talk about how do you stay calm how do you create a little space for yourself how do you continue to breathe very little of it is about how to maximize your strength and smash somebody. It's always about how to stay calm under pressure and function. And so even, That's if, right. you know, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu has, you know, established itself as one of, not the, but one of the most effective unarmed fighting systems, right? And I don't know, probably more than half of the training is about learning to stay calm under pressure. Yeah, love that. And and also, and, and I would say in addition to that, it's and what I've noticed that you, you know, you got the higher belts, how, how you, you know, what what makes a good training partner is us as lower belts is, you know, for me is not when, you know, you or a John Roy or a professor uh, co comes in and taps us 18 times in six minutes. Right. Let, let me show off all ninja skills. I'm just going to crush you. Right. You know, maybe that serves maybe some training value for you guys. It wouldn't serve a whole big lot of training value for, for us necessarily as lower belts. So what I find a lot of you guys doing as upper belts is you have the awareness, the social awareness and the social management and the self-awareness and the self-management to roll at our level. Right. And and not, you know, because you can't roll at a purple belt level with me because I, I I can't, I don't have that game. Right? There's a massive delta between between your level and my level. And so, and, and not that you, I mean, you still have all those skills and stuff, but, you, you know, you don't bring all of those to bear your whole arsenal when you're rolling with a lower belt, which again, it takes emotional intelligence to roll at the level of your training partner versus okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tap you out 10 times in five minutes or six minutes. Right. So I think that's another aspect or dynamic too. Another tool. I want to give the folks a, a tool that I've been sharing a lot on a lot of the podcast interviews that I've been on using that, you know, the small little furry fuzzy monkey analogy, then turning into a big giant 800 pound gorilla at the end of the, the, the day it, where most people are, because most people have not gone back and healed a lot of those emotional injured spaces that they've that they've had over the years is i call it go aped go aped go a-p-e-d so go aped and a is acknowledge acknowledge those oh shit 
Norway last year. Uh, internet connection problem. Well, I guess I'm gonna do some editing. Oh, damn it. Oh, there you are. There we are. Okay. So go, is acknowledge, acknowledge those emotions by, and here's a couple of tools that I like to, to give to people. A lot of my coaching clients, my corporate clients, this is what I do with them. I'll have them go to Google, type in emotion wheel, print out the emotion wheel, put a copy of that on your refrigerator, put a copy of that at your desk, at your office, at your home office, and use that in the A of go aped is acknowledge, use that emotion wheel. Because for me, part of, again, also growing your emotional intelligence is growing your emotional vocabulary. I didn't, I was pre-white belt, right? I didn't even know what the moves were. If you said do an arm bar, I don't even know what that means, right? I don't even know what that word means, those two words mean. And so that's part of emotional intelligence is growing your emotional vocabulary. Well, how do you grow your emotional vocabulary is you have to start learning these words. So the emotion wheel in the A helps you better, more effectively acknowledge what is going on. And physiologically with your brain, our brains are the most amazing filing system on the planet almost obsessive. The brain is almost obsessive with filing and organizing data and information. You think the brain organizes millions, maybe billions of bits of data on a daily basis. You could say, oh, well, I'm, I'm feeling this emotion, which is I'm feeling, you know, uh, uh, sad. And it's just, you know, I say, oh yeah, this is a container. Well, the brain is still not super satisfied with that. The brain can't do its best work with just it's a container. It does better work and more effective work if you say, "Oh, it's a it's a a, a gray matte container with a rubber bottom, and it says thermal flask and white letters going vertically. It's got a teardrop with a a snowflake. It's got a rubber lid. It's got a, a holder for right. The more specific that you can diagnose or." identify what those emotions are that you're feeling, the more effective the brain can be do at organizing and filing and working on that particular emotion. A cheesy quote I heard from a buddy of mine in special operations, if you can name it, you can tame it. So the more effective you can be at naming spe specifically that emotion, not just, and you'll see in the emotional wheel, there's actually three rings to this emotion wheel. If you just stay in that center circle, which is happy, sad, angry, you know, something else, I don't know, there's a few other emotions. It, it, it's, that's just saying, Hey, it's, I'm feeling uh, the container. I'm feeling this container. The more you can work your way on the outside of that circle, you can get more specific and the brain loves that. Okay. That's number one. So that the emotional wheel, the second thing I'll, I have folks do with the A in acknowledgement is to download an app called mood meter, mood meter. And it's 99 cents on the, on the app store. I don't know whose it is. It's not mine, but whoever it is, I use it myself personally. I use it for all my coaching clients. It's a great way to begin increasing your self-awareness. And, and it's almost like a version of the emotion wheel, but in an app. Yeah. And, and then it also asks you not just what are you feeling, but why are you feeling it? So you've got like a little 140 characters, like a little tweet that you can do for why you're feeling that. 
And it also charts, it starts charting, okay, when are you feeling this? And when are you feeling that? And that kind of it's amazing tools. That's the acknowledge piece. And in the P for the, 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 and go ape, it's P is permission to feel. Yeah. So the next phase is now that you've got those, those, you've acknowledged those emotions. Now a, a 30, 40 year psychologist, I heard share this. It takes the body 60 to 90 seconds to feel the fullness of an emotion with intention. So set your alarm, your watch alarm, your phone alarm for 60 to 90 seconds. Start with those emotions that you wrote down in the acknowledge section and start with, with the first one. Okay, I'm feeling angry. Allow yourself, start your alarm, allow yourself to feel angry for 60 seconds. Then go to the next emotion, uh, 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 disappointed. Allow yourself to feel disappointment for 60 seconds. Go down each emotion. That's the P. So permission to feel. Give yourself permission to feel the emotions that you're feeling. Then in the E is express. Express those emotions in writing. There's been a lot of research on the, the catharsis of the, the healing power of just journaling your thoughts down. And I there's a, I break that down even further, but but I won't for this conversation. But anyway, express journal your your feelings and emotions, and then D the last so go aped the D is discuss discuss your emotions or feelings with somebody else, a safe trusted advisor, if you will, that will be safe with you in 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 you expressing the emotions that you're feeling. There's again I'm preaching to the choir here literally, uh, as the psychologist, Jerry, but, you know, one of the things that my therapist has told me, my VA therapist has told me is when you get depressed, when people go into a depressive state, and this is just part of the, of the state of being depressed is, is you begin to isolate yourself. Well, when you begin to isolate yourself, who are you listening to the most? I'm listening to myself the most. And a lot of times when I'm emotionally hijacked, again, like you already talked about, is when I get emotionally hijacked, I'm no longer thinking logically. So now the stories that I'm creating in my mind are not based in logic and reason. It's based in emotion and, 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 you know, intensity and all that kind of stuff. And so by, by adding that D in there, so go ape that discuss. Now I can talk to, let's say in this case, Jerry about how I'm feeling. And I could say, well, Jerry, man, aren't you just angry? that the sky is, is green right now. Can't you believe, I just can't believe how green the sky is. And Jerry's like, uh, well, well, actually noble. Um, I, and I appreciate you sharing your feelings that the sky is green, but actually this, this, the sky is, is actually blue. No, what, what, wait, what? Like it's, it, you're saying it's blue, right? blue to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So talking, when you discuss it with somebody else, you're, you you know, the goal obviously would be talking to somebody that's not also emotionally hijacked. And, and somebody that is is thinking logically and with re reason and rationale that can ground you in in a potentially emotional state. Well, so anyway, I would say that is a great yeah, tool. I think that's a great mnemonic. I, I like that. And I like that it relates to the fuzzy monkey. Um, super helpful. Yeah, it ties it all together. I would I would say that there's another benefit um, to all that besides just being grounded in reality or whatever. Um, because who decides what reality is anyway, right? But and you can get very philosophical about it. But I would say, you know, it occurred to me as we we're talking that somebody who is maybe newer 
to this sort of journey or this idea of how to incorporate, especially, you know, for someone who is, you know, a military person or a martial artist or a, just sort of a typical, like a, a business leader, or industry leader, or an entrepreneur, where that type A kind of like some like assertiveness, I was going to say aggression, but it's really assertiveness, um, where those things are, are important, right? And it's like, how do I do all this emotion stuff with that, right? What I, it may sound like in a lot of our conversation that the ultimate goal is to quiet down those emotions, quiet them down, quiet them down, right? We, we said, we said that on jujitsu, we're always talking about calm down, stay calm, stay calm, right? And we, and we talked about um, if you can name it, you can tame it, right? Is, is calming it down. And one of the points I want to make is that calming it and managing it is not the same as ignoring it or repressing it. And, and first of all, ignoring or repressing is almost a guarantee that it escalates, that it increases in volume, right? But I'll give you by way of an example. If, um, Noble, if you do something and I get very upset with you and I express that anger and disappointment or whatever it is through volume and through posture and by yelling and by swearing and by most of the time, what's going to happen is you're going to get kind of defensive and I'm not going to feel validated for what I'm feeling. In fact, if anything, I'm going to feel invalidated. Like I have no right to be yelling. I have no right to feel this way. It's probably what happened to you as a kid at home, right? Like you end up feeling unheard, right? The louder you yell, the less people listen. However, if you can recognize and I could come to you and I, I do this with my eight-year-old, right? My 11-year-old. If I can say, you know, I'm feeling very angry and frustrated with you because it seems to me like you betrayed my trust. I, I told you you could go out and do X, Y, or Z. And instead of doing that, you did this. And I felt like I put trust in you and you betrayed that trust. And now I feel, you know, very angry and upset about that. The likelihood of my being validated for how I feel goes through the roof. Not, not everyone every time is going to validate you, but the likelihood of somebody reasonable saying, you know what? I can hear what you're saying and I can understand why you feel that way, right? And maybe there's an explanation why I deviated from what I said I would do or why things change. And maybe I can explain that to you, but I can definitely understand how it would look that way. And so I recognize the emotion and instead of expressing it through volume and intensity, I express it through vocabulary. It gives you the opportunity to hear it without defensiveness, and I'm way more likely to have that experience validated. And so this is not all about shutting down and pushing aside. This is about how to manage it in a way that gets you to a more effective outcome. Love that. Absolutely. A great clarification. hundred percent. That's, that's an excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah. So um, the other thing I wanted to see if you were interested, I could circle way back when you were talking about narcissism. Um, I have a little, uh, like a little mathematical equation in my head for how to build a narcissist. <laughs> and it's not, I mean, this is not the research, it's not something I learned in school, it's just my own, my own thing. But I think it, I think it works. And so, and it simplifies it, right? It, it sort of, in my eyes anyway, it simplifies, maybe not for everybody, but I think about the equation, the, the equation is you have a narcissistic injury 
multiplied by a lack of empathy to an exponent of perceived threat. And so what that means is like, when you talk about narcissists being very full of themselves and egotistical, and so usually that's compensating for a lack of, of self-image, right? It's usually when they were kids somewhere back in the day, they had a, what we call the narcissistic injury where they were belittled, humiliated, usually by somebody they trust and love like a parent. And they learned to compensate for it by bragging and being boastful and being full of themselves, right? Now, that by itself is annoying, but in order to really be a narcissist, you have to then add or multiply in a lack of empathy. The lack of empathy is what allows the narcissist to use other people as their pawns and move them around because they don't give a shit how the other people feel. And so there's a lack of empathy. Now, the degree to which those behaviors manifest themselves increases exponentially based on perceived threat. So if I have this narcissistic injury where I really feel insecure about myself and I don't like who I am and I feel like I'm not worth, I'm not lovable and I'm not knowable and people don't like me and I compensate for that by bragging or whatever and I perceive that something might expose my limitations, my weaknesses, then my need to amp up and manipulate other people increases. And that's where you, that's the sort of the formula in my experience. Again, that's not research-based or anything, but in my experience, that's how you build a narcissist. <laughs> that, that is, that is so money. Totally, totally, uh, totally dig that. That's awesome. It's more, more stuff I've got to, I've got to chew on. I, I think that there's oh. definitely some application to, to my particular scenario with this, with this well. individual and and I the think other reason I like it is the other reason I like it is it allows me to not lose empathy for the narcissist. Mm. Very easy to just hate the fucking narcissist. And by the way, I'm not suggesting anyone should ever allow a narcissist or anyone else to mistreat them. You should have boundaries. Don't allow people to mistreat you. But it helps me, especially as you know, as a psychologist or as a helping professional, it helps me to recognize that these awful antisocial types of behaviors um come from a place of 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 wound of injury you know helps me be the person i want to be more you know right for sure yeah no that's great that's that's also a, an excellent nuance there because my, my initial response to to that experience was definitely not to apply empathy <laughs> and uh and you know and, and to me like empathy doesn't have to mean like okay i have empathy for you you can treat me any way you want it just means i'm going to establish my boundaries but i'm going to but i'm going to do it without hatred or anger or venom toward you right like i'm going to not let you treat me this way but i'm going to also be able to recognize that you are trying to treat me this way because you're wounded Right. We, right we, we, sure. do that with, we do that with animals. Right. If you are trying to help a wounded animal and it snaps at you, you recognize that the animal's afraid because it's wounded. Right. Right. And and this is not exactly the same, but similar. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. No, I, I appreciate you. You closing the loop on that. That's excellent. Excellent stuff there. Totally appreciate that, brother. Yeah, man. Yeah. So noble, you you uh, army ranger, 
you know, 81st Airborne. <laughs> Go 80, um, yeah, 82nd, yep. Or 82nd, yeah. I'm sorry, it's 81st, God, 82nd Airborne. And yep. uh, yeah, jumping out of planes and, and eating bugs in the swamp and because that's what rangers do, right? You go to the <laughs> airport and eat bugs. That's right, that's right, that's right. And wound yeah, up to been... a gangster. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, and for any of your, your crew that wants to, uh, you know, that would like to, 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 you know, check out some of our, our stuff. In fact, if you're new to this space, emotional intelligence, I, I would recommend again, another way that I recommend folks to grow their emotional vocabulary is, is listen to our podcast, you know, EQ gangster. And, and obviously you don't have to do our podcast on, on, on uh, EQ. There's probably lots of other ones out there. Ours is, you know, I'm not coming from an academic perspective. So, it's not, it's, 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 it's easy to consume. In fact, there's a lot of books on EQ out there that are very academic and not easy to consume. If you're, you know, starting out like I was a few years ago, they're very academic, very heady, very meaty. And I'm working on a book right now to hopefully fill some of that space of the non-academic, non-heady, non-meaty stuff, but still in this space about emotional intelligence and but anyway eq gangster is a great spot eqgangster.com again we've got a free course eqgangster.com you can check out it's it just gives an overview on emotional intelligence a little bit of a deeper dive on emotional intelligence but still an overview and then talking about the four four deadly sins of emotions the stuffing avoiding stewing and brooding and then we also have for those that are wanting to level up your emotional fitness and incorporate an emotional fitness program into your life, which I strongly encourage you to do that, just like we need to do that with our physical fitness and, and mental fitness and spiritual fitness and stuff. I also recommend an emotional fitness program. We are also, you know, we've got a membership called the EQ Mafia that you can go to eqgangster.com forward slash mafia and get on the waiting list to get more details and information about that as well. So that's so you can follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook as well. And YouTube, our YouTube channel, same thing, EQ Gangster. Jerry, totally appreciate all that you're doing with your Facebook groups and, and just the, the approach that you bring, you know, with your PhD, you're super relatable for me. And I tremendously appreciate that because something that I've seen in the past that sometimes happens in academia is you can do two things. You can impact somebody or you can impress somebody. You can impress, you can impress somebody with all your accolades and high-speed whiz-bang academia stuff, or you can impact somebody with your valleys and being real and relatable. And for me, you have been a very real, relatable academic. And, and, and I say academic, obviously you're, you're an applier too, right? Cause you're, you know, as a psychologist, you, you're not, a, you're not a, and I'm not knocking professors either. So, cause we need those too, but you apply your academics through your, your, psychology with the, however long you've been doing it in the application field, helping clients and stuff out. Um, but in, and, and you're also, what I also super appreciate is that you are, you are also working on this stuff as well, which I tell all my folks, like I, I have not, I have absolutely yeah. not arrived. I, I'm still on very much on my emotional growth journey. So I, I appreciate that about you as well, Jerry. And okay. thank you for the content that you're putting out and, the Facebook groups that you you put together for folks and um, excited to continue to learn from you. Well, I appreciate you saying all that. No, what means a lot, especially coming from you. Cause like I said, you're, you're a real dude. And I love that. Um, I think, I think thankfully for me, some of that quality that you're talking about 
is just by virtue of I got my shit together late in life. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't get my PhD until I was 39 years old. And so I think a lot of the need to impress and whatever, I, I made those mistakes earlier, you know, in, in, in venues where I had maybe less influence and I got lucky in that, in that regard. I think if I had gotten a PhD when I was younger, I probably would have been those, one of those impressors. Um, I've gotten to a point now where I wouldn't say I have that licked. I wouldn't say that, but I would say when the need to impress creeps up, I am able to kind of recognize it and be like, what's going on here? You know, this is not who I want to be in the world. And so that's, that's sort of my, my reflection a lot of times is um, I'll think back to how I was in a circumstance or in a relationship or in a friendship or whatever with my kids. And I'll ask myself, is the person I was in that moment, is that who I want to be in the world? You know? And if it was great, how do I hang on to that? And if it wasn't, then, you know, what, what went, what went off the rails, what went awry. And so, yeah, so I, I appreciate you saying that. I want to encourage everyone who's uh, tuned in today. You know, what you got today was a taste of, of Noble Gibbons. This guy is, I mean, and, and what you see, like, there's no acting. I mean, this guy walks into every room, every you meet him for lunch, you meet him on the jujitsu mats, he walks into every room with this enthusiasm and this, and, and one of the things I can say about Noble is even when he's struggling, right, even when you, I've seen you in times when maybe you were dealing with a little bit of depression or not doing your best, you seem to feed so much on what you can do for others that when, you, as soon as you connect with somebody, at least for the moment, it just becomes all energy again, right? It may, the air may leave once you separate and you may go back into a funk or whatever. But for those moments when you connect with somebody, man, you are just, it's obvious that this, what you do now is what you were meant to do. There's no question. Wow. It's, man. It fits you. It fits you so comfortably and so easily. Um, and, and that's the thing, right? That's why the education matters less. You can always learn. You can always get the education. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't matter how much you know. Mm. And so I appreciate you for that. So please check out eqgangster.com. Check out the EQ Gangster podcast available on Apple, on Spotify, on Google. Where else? Um, all, the, all the main platforms, yeah. All the main platforms. So Go find the podcast. I tell you, I listen to it in the gym. It really is worth the time, I think. Um, I've taken the free course. The free course is worth its weight in gold. Do that. Uh, if you're interested, get on Noble's waiting list for EQ Mafia. Really good quality information. Um, there, I have zero doubt in my mind that anytime you invest in, in learning from Noble is going to improve your life, your business, your relationships. So please do that. Um, as always, thank you to everybody. Uh, I know that your time is a valuable commodity and I'm so grateful when you choose to spend it either listening to or watching this podcast. Um, I appreciate and love every single person who is in the um, online communities that I have. So on, on well, online, uh, my website is... Uh, growth and thriving all spelled out growth and thriving um, dot com my uh on facebook our page is growth and thriving not spelled out growth and thriving with an ambersand 
comma LLC is our main page. We have two communities that you can join there. One is called Growth and Thriving After Trauma. The other is called um, Thriving Fathers, Parenting After Trauma. Uh, both are very interactive, great groups, lots of comments. Please join those groups. Get in there. Let me know what content you want to see, what sorts of things you want to hear on the podcast. I will arrange what I'm doing around your requests. So please let me know. Uh, and on YouTube, it's Growth and Thriving with an Amber Sam LLC, where you can watch the videos of these podcasts. Thank you, everybody, so much for your time. Noble, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you, brother. And I uh, look forward to seeing you on the mats. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak signing off. And uh, until we meet again, keep growing until you're thriving. All right, man. Boom, you killed it, awesome. man. That was awesome. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you, man. That was great. That was amazing, bro. That was terrific. Yeah. Love, love it. Just well. love it. Proverbs 27, 17. It's a verse in the Bible that says, it's iron sharpens iron. So big sunshine sharpens big poppy, man. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's exactly, my version. Exactly. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much for making some time for this. I know you're a busy dude and I, I really appreciate it, you know? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. My and, pleasure. And it means, you know, I, listen, I've had a few people on already who are people I've known a long time and have been important people in my life. And it's meant a lot for me to have them on. If you go back and listen, um, certainly episodes four, five, and six. So the three right before this one um, were people who, who I've known a while and mean a lot to me. This particular interview with you means a lot to me because honest to God, Noble, if it wasn't for you, I'm 98% certain I wouldn't be doing this right now. So no way. Yeah, dude, I, I'm sure that if it wasn't for you, I would still be thinking about all of the potential obstacles and things in the way and how to transition and how to, like you, conversations with you, literally, like you're the guy that like, it's thanks to you that I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll figure out the obstacles when I hit them. Like I just- Wow. I, yeah. Dude, Jerry, that, dude, that- It's real, bro. It's true. Dude, that means a lot, bro. It's true, Noble. You got to know. Means a lot. My life is significantly different for having known you. So, Dude, thank you, Jerry. That, that means a lot, bro. And to know that, I mean, you... I'm going to have to really spend some time thinking about this. Cause you just, dude, you hit a, you hit a, uh, a nerve, you know, for you to say that I had a little piece in bringing your gifts and talents to the world to make, I mean, how many people are you blessing it with your okay. content and, the gifts that you have inside of you for you to tell me that I had a little piece in, in bringing in, in you bringing your gifts to the world. Dude, I, would wow, that, more, that I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a little piece. I would say it's, it's a lot more than a little piece. Bro, that is, yeah. that is massive. And, and, and 
total selfish request, would you be okay if, if I could just capture, you know, that this, this part of the conversation in the recording, if you could, if you wouldn't mind sending me the raw file or something where I could, you know, just for, I guess for, for me personally, you know, just to review yeah. that and, you know, how you said it and stuff. Um, I mean, cause that definitely hit, hit a nerve and, um, and I, I can't thank you enough for sharing that, for being vulnerable and transparent with me. That means, dude, that's like, you know, <sighs> dude, that is, that is a massive blessing to me. Um, yeah, it's massive, dude. Cause you know, the, the gifts that you bring, are, 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 you know, you you reach, you know, you're going to, you can reach people that I can't reach. Right. And that's the blessing of and you know, your Jits game yeah. is different than my Jits game. And <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? So anyway, dude, just thank you, bro. Like I, that just, that, that uh, just means the world to me, Jerry, that, that you would feel that way, that you would communicate that. Yeah. Um, thank you, man. Thanks a million, bro. Let me do, let me, let me ask you this. And you don't have to answer right now. If you don't want to, you can think about it, but how do you feel about me taking this piece of the conversation and putting it in with the beginning of the podcast? So it's yeah. sending it to you, let everybody hear it. Yeah. Dude, if you go, if you go on to my, my podcasts if on YouTube or whatever, my very first episode is what I call a teaser, teaser episode. It's just me talking about what the podcast is going to be. And I say this in there. I attribute it to you. Wow. I give you, I give you a shout out and say, I wouldn't be doing this without, without Noble. So go back. That one's short. You go back and listen. To that. It's only like 10 minutes, 15 minutes or something. Wow. Yeah, Jerry, man. Uh, thanks a million, bro. And, and, you know, also, I'm just thankful to God that he would have crossed our paths you know, cause you've been a blessing to me too. I mean, I, you know, again, I've, our, our fuzzies chat, you know, and, and this chat, you know, just going back to the notes that you've shared your insights and your lessons learned. And, you know, um, and, and I, and I'm so thankful, dude, that also, you know, again, that, that I've been able to encourage you again, to, to bring what I've been able to, to selfishly get from you and, and our, in our little you know, individual chats that, that, Hey, look, man, I know that I'm not the only guy that gets value from Jerry that, you know, you start sharing your gifts with the world, bro. Like there's other nobles that are going to get value from your content. So I, dude, I, I'm just. So if you look I, at, listen, if you look at my whole career up until now, right. My first 15 years, I was a very successful personal trainer. But I was yeah. very successful working for New York sports clubs, right? I didn't, I never really, I had a couple of side gigs on my own, but really I worked for a big company and got my paychecks from them and had my taxes through them and had found my clients through their gym membership, right? And when I, when I left there and went to school to, to get my doctorate, you know, I ended up getting a scholarship from the Air Force and I became an Air Force psychologist and I had great success as a psychologist too. But again, I worked for the government. I worked for a big company and I had their benefits and I had their clientele coming in and I had that, right? 
And I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to, like things that have been in my mind over the last 25 years or so, I'd say on a regular basis, I've thought about certainly writing a book. When blogs became a thing, I thought about writing a blog. Podcast became a thing, I thought about a podcast. I really love this interaction, this communication, I love it. And I would always, always land on, who the fuck wants to listen to me, right? Like, well, why does anybody want to hear what I have to say? And so I would always find these reasons why I can't do it, why I shouldn't do it, or why I can do it, but not right now. I can start planning and it'll be in the future. And it was you, you're the guy who was like, like I went home after I met you, it was at jujitsu when we had our first conversation about this, right? And I was listening to you on the mentor podcast and I was like, hey man, we got to talk. And it wasn't even when we met at Fuzzies yet, it was before that. That first conversation with you, I went home, I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to do this. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome, man. Wow, dude. I'm so, so stoked, bro. What a blessing, dude. That, that again, just really appreciate you sharing that. I'm definitely going to hold on to that. Yeah. Totally appreciate that, brother. I'm going to take this segment here and put it at the beginning of the podcast and then the intro. And then, yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Appreciate you, you, man. Can't wait to see you on the mats. Look, likewise. Take good care. All right, brother. We'll see you, man. Bye-bye.